1: Talk Radio.
0: Well, good afternoon to you, my friends. This is the K-Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. You know, we don't often think in terms of the whole scope of kindness. We think it is a gesture, a hello, a greeting, a gift, a favor that we do for somebody, But I want to ask you and invite you to expand your horizon on that line of thinking into what kindness absolutely and ultimately means when we're talking about the experience in our life. We're talking about a life where it's impossible for us to have full enjoyment unless in reality we have full capacity of our mind and of our body. I'm talking about well-being and authentic holistic well-being when we can help people achieve that or be on the pathway to it so that they can aim to achieve that. Because I don't know if we ever really arrive. I think we're always evolving and emerging and shifting and pivoting and facing whatever there is that's a stimulus in the world that we're responding to emotionally, psychologically and physically. But imagine if we could all help one another and be helped ourselves with our authentic, holistic well-being. Would that be awesome or what? (laughs) I think the answer to the oh or what is absolutely yes. So today's episode about kindness is about that kind of kindness. And I am your host, Dr. Deb Carlin. I love this show because the entire mission of this show is to find kindness, to explore all the factors that lead to it and do a better job myself and inform all of our listeners about the ways in which we can embrace kindness and really actualize it in an endless number of ways. So today's episode is with my dear friend, who has been on our show several times over the course of the years that we've been doing it. And we're particularly hot right now to get him on the show and be talking about when physicians exercise the best of science. Now, true physician that he is, he has not yet arrived (laughs) for this interview. But not to worry because we've had so much dialogue that I can fill in until he arrives on the scene. And I would imagine that that will be momentarily. You know, you have to honor, and this is one of the things that I learned as a kid from my parents, but I've also learned in doing this show, is you have to honor the trueness to your word that you really want to practice the ultimate in kindness. So if someone is going to be on your show and you're hosting it and they're running late, It doesn't matter what the reason is. There's personal and professional reasons and urgencies and sidebars that come up in our life every day. You need to be gracious. I need to be gracious and receive my guests when they arrive, however they arrive. And I have no doubt that when Dr. Mark Levy arrives today, it'll be somewhat comedic, and we'll just take the conversation even further. But let me tell you, today what i What I said in the opening of writing about this episode is that the brilliance of a mind that knows biology and chemistry of the human body is invaluable, and it's knowledge that each one of us needs to have, but we don't. I want to ask you, as you're sitting there listening, do you know your own anatomy? I would bet that many of you know your car. Are the workings of your appliances in your kitchen better than you know your own anatomy? Like, where is your gallbladder exactly? And what is the function of your tonsils? And where exactly are your adrenals and what do they do and why is that important? You know, I'm asking you all these questions because when it comes to really being healthy and achieving well-being, It's important to know the equipment that you're working to influence. Mind-body medicine really and truly is about the things that we do in our mind in order to be able to connect with our body and influence our physiological processes. Now, this is not new information. This has been a topic of conversation for as long as human beings have been in existence and recording it in some fashion. The thing that's really exciting for me is in my undergraduate and my graduate research, I was running psychophysiology labs at the universities where I was studying. And I was looking at the implication, the impact of what we could get a body to do given where it is that we would lead the mind. And all of the type A research, you know, we talk about people being type A, And it's really interesting because a lot of people don't understand, unless you read the original research, that that type A personality profile evolved out of a receptionist for two cardiologists and a psychiatrist who were waiting. Their patients were in the waiting room, and they had just redone the waiting room. And the receptionist said to the doctors, you know what? we got to redo the upholstery on the chairs out there and on the arms of the chairs out there and the carpeting. They said, why? We just redid it. And she said, because these guys who come in here with their urgency to see you are just over-the-top compulsive and time-urgent. They're aggressive about it. They're rubbing the arms on the chair, they're shaking their leg, they're up and off that chair, they're not sitting back in the chair, they're sitting on the edge of it, and they're wearing out the arms and the front of that seat, and they're running up to the desk, walking, pacing, back and forth, wanting to know when it is that you are going to be ready to see them. And when they come up to the front desk there, they have a push in their voice that is distinctive. Well, the physicians knew enough about this woman to... Go ahead and investigate that. And that—that that is indeed critical factors about people who are type A, who are more disposed, more prone to have a cardiovascular event, a heart attack or a stroke of some sort. Now, why would that be? Because what it is that they're doing in their mind with that time urgency and their aggressiveness about it, you've heard the saying, uptight. Oh, that person's so uptight. Guess what? They really are. They are so uptight that what they are doing is they are tightening and they're constricting their vascular system. And as they constrict their vascular system, they are cutting the blood supply to their heart and making their heart have to work harder in order to get the blood out to all of their extremities. That increases your blood pressure. And when you do that over time, you compromise your vascular system and the push that you make with your voice when you are angry and you push your voice out harshly. You are literally banging the blood against the interior lighting of your vascular system. It's a reality. Our body responds to everything we think and feel automatically. So when you're mellow, when you really lose, none of that is happening. I was fascinated with that reality. And so I started my campaign to find physicians who would work with me, who would help me do the research to see what could we do to influence the mind so we could get our bodies into better shape. And I contacted Dr. Herbert Benson, who's a cardiologist out at Harvard. More than 50 years ago, he opened up, the very first mind body clinic in this country out at harvard this is not lightweight stuff this is not fluff this is not something that is a fad this is hard science true medicine And the reason that Dr. Herbert Benson opened up that clinic was because as a cardiologist, he was interested in healing the gentlemen, and it was primarily men. He was interested primarily in healing the gentlemen who came to him with their cardiovascular disease issues and wanting to get them well and send them back out into the world. Guess what really disturbed him? The rate of recidivism. What I'm talking about are those repeat offenders. They would come back to him and say, you know, I'm in trouble again. And he would need to heal them all over again. And the thing that he noted was their attitude, their perceptions about life. And he dedicated himself to doing something to change it, to influence it. Well, in order to do that, he took a journey. And quite naturally, it evolved out of, his, out of him doing his research to see where in the world don't we have this cultural issue of more people in our culture being taken by cardiovascular disease events than anything else. And he found that the yogis in the mountain of the Himalayas, mountains of the Himalayas, did not have these health issues now you could say well what the heck if I was just sitting out there and in, in Tibet or in the Himalayas somewhere you know what would there be to worry about I'd be relaxed too they don't have any pressure oh not true tremendous pressure tremendous really challenging weather they have to forage for foods I mean it's rough conditions you and I I dare to say, would have a very difficult time surviving there. And I can tell you from my travel experiences, I couldn't survive there. I would be just freaked out all the time, wondering about when, when am I going to be able to really get comfortable. And my mind, unless I wrapped it in a different direction, my mind would really influence the uptightness that I would feel being there. The lack of luxuries and and the the imposition of wild animals and cultural constraints and all the things that the Tibetan monks would live in the midst, in the midst of. And high demand, by the way, for their performance for excellence, given what it is that they're charged to do in their lifestyle as monks. Not a choice I would be comfortable with. I'd have a hard time surviving it. However, Dr. Herbert Benson went there and found that the monks, the Tibetan monks, could really get themselves into the most relaxed state because of what they would do with their mind. And it was a meditation, and he Americanized it after doing a lot of research, and he calls it the relaxation response. Now, if you go to one of my websites, in particular the one that bears my name, DrDevcarlin.com you'll find that I do some videos that feature that exercise. You can either watch the video or you can listen to it just on audio. You can also Google the relaxation response exercise and hear straight from Dr. Benson and read all of his his research and find out how this works. Well, why is this so important for what it is that I want to be talking to you about at this particular juncture in time. You know, my research and my work, my interest in mind-body medicine actually started when I was a little girl. And I noted that if I was unhappy, I didn't feel physically good. And that got me very curious. And I went through a series of things with my health, some of which was serious and some of which not life-threatening but serious enough and again as an adult in my early 20s and I thought I've got to know everything I possibly can about this and the more that I studied mind-body medicine and the connection between the mind and the body the more I understood that our DNA our genetic code couldn't possibly be limiting us just as I knew that our brain which by the way Science, once upon a time, thought we were only born with a limited amount of brain cells. And from the moment we came out of the birth canal, they started being destroyed and they didn't rejuvenate. And I thought, well, that can't possibly be true. Even if there was a zillion of them, that could not possibly be true. Well, it turns out somewhere in the 1960s, they discovered that indeed it was not true. That was a myth. Just like the myth, by the way, that babies don't feel pain. That was a real paradigm for decades. Mythbusters save our lives and shift our culture. Here's one for you right now. I am betting that you are sitting there thinking, well, I can do everything I can to be as healthy as possible. But you know what? I come from genetics that are just going to, annihilate me, my relatives have died of cancer or cardiovascular disease, and then just continue the list, I have arthritis because my family does, and people think that they inherit all these things, I'm going to tell you something, inheritance goes beyond, beyond your genetic code and your DNA, inheritance also includes your social psychology, Children Learn What They Live. That, by the way, is the title of a book. Children learn what they live, and in the midst of what they live, they always, always pick up behaviors consciously and unconsciously. And here, by the way, this is so delightful. Here comes our guest. Walking into our studio right now is our beloved guest, most treasured genius, Dr. Mark Levy. Hi, Dr. Mark Levy. How are things going? (laughs) Well, here, I have coffee for you. I have a little pumpkin bread. I have a little gift for you for being a guest today.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, what are we on for today?
0: Well, I've been talking to our audience for the last about uh, 17 minutes about... The reality of mind-body medicine, and I told them that one of the things in terms of kindness is helping people get on the path to ultimate, authentic, holistic well-being, and that my good friend, Dr. Mark Levy, one of the most kind things that you could do when you treasure a person is if they have things that interrupt their schedule, be loving and kind about it, and keep the door to the studio unlocked.
1: <laughs> Always good. <laughs>
0: so they could come in and arrive and participate whenever it works. And so you know i was disp- i was explaining to them the mind body connection and and the idea about when physicians exercise the best of science and i and i was saying that for decades i have always known that we were not limited by, by our inheritance that inheritance isn't just our our dna and our genetic code it's also what we inherit by social psychology Children learn what they live, so we learn what foods, how to move our body, how to exercise, what attitudes to have, you know, and and those are the kinds of things that we have influence over. But it goes further, and now we actually have science that demonstrates we can actually have influence over our DNA and how it impacts us. It's not that we can change the color of our eyes by thinking about it. But there are those triggers we have influence over. It's like layers, right on our on our on our DNA strings in our body. It's a
1: complicated situation. okay? As you know, there's four basic amino acid building blocks, right? We talk about these these deoxyribonucleic acids. there's four of them, and they're spun in these complex double-stranded helical chains, et cetera. And the issue has always been, you know, six divisions from greatness, that all of us have the basic chemicals. So what makes your brain different than my brain, your eye color different than my color, is a matter of which are turned on, which are turned off. Mm -hmm. So in the cancer realm, we started looking for targeted drugs, got to be 20 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And we've come up with a few of them. And so we came up with the idea that we could actually target A drug to go after and discriminate between a very similar cell to that which we need and one that is slightly mutated and have these wonderful, as they call them, magic bullets, golden arrows, whatever, very specific drugs. That research over the last 10 years has now led to some even more interesting breakthroughs where you can take the data and you can approximate for somebody what is the optimal diet to control their Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. their rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, these autoimmune diseases, you hear more and more about them every day. Oh, we don't have a medicine for that, it's autoimmune. Oh, we don't have a medicine for that, it's autoimmune. The fact is, that's right. You don't have a medicine for autoimmune because what do medicines do? Medicines are kind of a shotgun approach. And my favorite example is everybody knows about the antihistamines. On TV now, they advertise Zizol, the latest. What differentiates Zizol from Benadryl, the drug that you and I grew up with? Mm -hmm. Benadryl hit all the receptors. Side effects, dry mouth, dry eyes, tired. Then 20 years ago, there was Claritin. And there was Zyrtec. Different receptors, slightly less drying, slightly less sedation, more focused drug for true histamine effect. And now Zyazol is another one. The same has happened in the antidepressant realm, as you know in your world. There was Prozac, hit everything. Yeah. Then they broke it down into Paxil and Zoloft. Then they started breaking it down into the nortriphalines and the protiphalines. And now we've got vibrates and Trintelix, and they're all hitting different receptors. What if you can do the same thing on the cellular level? What if you can actually program which mitochondria and which cells are turning on and powering them, and which mitochondria are not powering cells, so you power the more positive expression? Wouldn't that be real science? Oh, my God. That's yeah. where it's going. That's where it's going. I... They will look 25 years from now as I approach retirement and the way I practiced as absolutely barbaric. Why would you give somebody chemotherapy that attacks all the bone marrow? When their mutation was just T cell one sixty one, all you need to kill was one sixty one and they wouldn't have leukemia. And do we know that now? I mean, do are we that specific that we actually that know? Testing is out there. Ugh. I mean you've seen it with the breast cancer. They have the B C R gene. Now if you have the B C R gene to do more genetic testing, well do you have the aggressive breast one or do you have the switch or the allele for the ovarian version, or do you have the allele for the colon, or do you have the allele for the thyroid, or do you have the allele for the pancreas? And they can tell you if you have the BCR gene, that break cluster point, are you somebody who's more prone to pancreatic cancer versus breast cancer versus thyroid? We already have that out there. So the next level is (coughs) not just identifying the switch, but identifying the power source to the switch. Mm. I mean, when you're remodeling a home, do you want your electrician in there playing in your kitchen uh, with the appliances, with power in the wall, or do you want him to be able to go down to the circuit breaker box or fuse box and pull that fuse and circuit breaker so you know everything is safe?
0: Absolutely. I want him to do the latter.
1: Exactly. <coughs> so imagine doing that with your body. Pulling the fueling source for the bad expression, for obesity, for bunions, for low back pain, for osteoporosis. Imagine
0: as somebody
1: is hitting adolescence, you are able to tell them, we can program you not to gain the 15 pounds of weight around your liver that other kids gain, which then means you're not setting up for metabolic syndrome X and all these problems that we're seeing in our society. Wow. So, yeah, you can deprogram sleep apnea. Diabetes and hyperlipidemia with just that one thing, just by blocking somebody from gaining that first 15 pounds. And how
0: exactly do we do that? I mean, is there a pharmaceutical? Is there a pill? Is there a nutritional supplement? Or are we just in the baby steps of being able to make that happen?
1: There are chemicals, but most of those are chemotherapy. Yeah. There are very few pills, but again, they're still in the realm of what most people would call chemotherapy and be afraid of. So, the term that's been thrown out is a couple of them now. One of them among injectables are called peptides, where they fragment portions off of human growth. And you've seen some of these injectables out there as plasma rich platelets, and they're injecting them into cartilage of joints, and you've seen uh, Maybe you've heard of some of these products. They're being used in the orthopedic and athletic and sports medicine Mm -hmm. realm Mm -hmm. as injectables, these specific fragments. As far as fragmenting or breaking off pieces in the pharmaceutical industry, they're a little behind because, understand, you're not going to need it every day. Mm. So if it works, it's like this injection in the joint now, you're not going to have to see the orthopedist for another five years to get another injection. So he's just lost money by actually reversing a problem. Really? Yeah, healthcare in this country is not based on fixing, it's based on keeping you chronically sick because that's how healthcare makes the money. I.E. why I don't call it healthcare. People ask me, I, as a doctor, I say, we don't have healthcare, we have sick care. Once you're sick, you get care. If you're not sick, they ignore you. <laughs> that's
0: simple fact. I'm laughing, but that's horrifying.
1: That's, that's how it's set up. It's become an industry. So the only people out there that are looking at it is the wellness industry. The mm-hmm. true wellness industry is based in osteopathic medicine, nutrition, chiropractic, those areas. So you're going to see it come out if it comes out in the diet and exercise area of our society. It's not going to come out from the medical side. So – you, we've got a
0: delightful about four minutes left and I, I want to keep um, our conversations going uh, so that we are going on this discovery together and we're really truly looking at what it is that, that we can discover about how, how do we take the knowledge that you and I are talking about here today and how do we get our hands on the data, the research uh, the products You know, I've tried a lot of different products, and and how do we really get discerning about what is the ultimate best, the closest solution currently that is ahead of the curve that is going to really address our nutritional needs and and, and our DNA so that we can get healthy? Because I don't want to feel like I don't have control and influence over my health.
1: You need... Um, target specific DNA-based nutrition. Yeah. You need to, you need to actually look at through the DNA what makes your mitochondria different from my mitochondria, and say, okay, I really want to have nutrition that raises my metabolism. hmm Or you know, I want in my case nutrition at age 50 plus that helps me maintain muscle mass, but I don't want the toxicity of testosterone.
0: Right. I want
1: to do it where the body is still controlling it within what my body thinks is normal range. Because that's the problem. A lot of the stuff now is, again, a shotgun approach or a sledgehammer on plate glass. You just don't need it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be DNA-based nutrition testing. It's been out there for about seven years. It's only really gotten targeted, I'd say, in the last three to five. Yeah.
0: And we have to stay on the journey in order to be able to figure out what that is. Do you feel like you have the freedom as a physician in a in a in a licensed industry to do these explorations with me, and that we can we can go on this journey and and find the things that are really working, and then start educating our clients and patients about it?
1: Um, I actually think that that's what the calling is supposed to be. You're supposed to try and find solutions to the problem, not just band-aids. I mean, I can always tell somebody with a tumor growing off their head, buy a bigger hat, but it would be nice to actually have something to shrink the tumor.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, you know, I'm always looking for the medicine, the treatment that actually reverses the problem or resolves it.
0: Well, we're, we're aligned in so many ways, and that certainly is a really big and important one because I know that in our work together and and me being a, we're not just professional associates, we're good friends and you've also been my physician for a long time now uh, at the dying wish of my mother who you took care of for a long time before she passed away and kept her very, very comfortable and and, 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 uh, and safe and, and well. Her quality of life was good. I I I am grateful that that we can partner on this and and look for the discovery of what it is we know is going to really be helpful to people.
1: I'm
0: looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, you know, friends, this really is a, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to be on this platform and to be able to call your attention to things. That we know are so incredibly important, and it's been my pleasure today to have Dr. Mark Levy arrive and be here during this interview. Dr. Levy, thank you so much. Uh, My
1: pleasure. Sorry I was late. Okay,
0: it's okay. We didn't have fun without you, but (laughs) I was my I was my chatty self, and once you got here, it really livened up. So, uh, friends, take care, and by all means, stay tuned in. These episodes stream here on blog talk radio and we also uh, post them to all of our social media so take a look and we will see you next time blessings to you this is your host dr dub carlin signing off with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry